Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we have Giles Paley Phillips on who is an author and a podcaster. Hi Giles, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? All good. It's a bit of a miserable day to be honest. It is, it's, yeah, it's, pour, it's just started pouring down the rain down here as well. I'm down on the south coast. Oh, are you? Whereabouts? No, I live in a little town called Seaford which is sort of geographically it's best to sort of describe as in between Eastbourne and Brighton. Oh lovely. But yeah, it's a sleepy little town um yeah it's lovely it's lovely but yeah it's not lovely today it's actually hacking down my brain <laughs> so do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you actually do Giles so um well I do quite a lot of different things actually but I guess my main gig is um writing um I write for um, I've written nine children's books and um a book for adults which is a verse novel um and yeah in various sort of written in various magazines and stuff as well so yeah, this writing is my main gig, but I do also podcast. So how did you first sort of get into the writing? Where did the love come from? Well, I spent many, many years playing in bands. That was my kind of main thing. My, that was my main creative outlet, I guess. And when I left college, or uh, I sort of dropped out of college, I should say, um, education, I never was really into sort of academic stuff. I wasn't particularly good at school. Uh, and so I found music and music was a big thing for me. And I joined a band with some mates from college and we, you know, we, we got quite good and we, we did a few um, tours around the country and played some big festivals and stuff like that. So music was my main thing really. And then when I found out um, my wife was expecting our first child, I think I was really, I think this happens for quite a lot of children's authors in particular, that you sort of get this sort of compulsion to kind of write a story for them. I think, uh, for some people, I think they say they they read they read some of the books that they buy their kids and they think, oh, I could do something better. But it was certainly wasn't that for me. It was just um, actually feeling inspired by some of the things I'd read, um, you know, and, and and gifts we'd been given and stuff that were books, mm. and thinking, oh, I quite love this. And actually, just that nostalgic thing for me as well, like having going back and seeing books that I loved as a kid and thinking, oh, I'd really love to really create something timeless you know um and uh, so that's how I got into the writing well that's a really interesting angle as well sort of you know not being academic as such when we think of authors I think a lot of people think oh god mm. I need to be particularly good in school and, and all of that but that's an interesting way to come at it yeah I mean I did I, yeah, like I say I, I didn't do very well I got one GCSE uh, ironically it was in English so <laughs> I guess helps. there was something <laughs> there yeah but yeah I just wasn't into school I, I, I didn't have particularly great home life was living in a one bed flat with my dad and my nan so it was a bit you know we were hard up and it was just a bit difficult and challenging time I guess and and for some people school is an outlet for that you know and they can it's a distraction from from things it wasn't that for me I mean I was into sport and stuff like that but I was never quite good enough you know I was really into football and running and athletics and things but I, I, I kind of always knew I wasn't quite good enough to sort of ever make it in that field so um, I was always sort of searching for stuff and it wasn't until I sort of joined the band that I sort of found that thing that that creativity you know that you, I obviously wired that way that you know be, being a creative is is something that um that really uh, appeals to me yeah so you mentioned that you went to college and you dropped out what did you sort of go to college to do uh to start with GCSE retex <laughs> <laughs> Well, because I think, you know, just you, you get kind of swept along with the, you know, with the the system, 
you know, because you think, well, I've got to go to school and then you've got to go to college and then you've got to go to university and otherwise you're not going to get a job. It's that kind of thing. And I think I mean, it's very much the same now for people. Um, so it kind of just went, yeah, went along with what everyone else was doing. Could you uh, talk a little bit about the process writing your first book? Like what sort of happened for you and how did it get started and how did it carry on from there? Mm, so when I sort of decided that I really wanted to do something for my son uh, to write this story, I, I was really sort of, like I said to you, I was getting, I looking at other books and other authors that are around and sort of tapping into other people's work and seeing if there was something that would inspire me and get me going. Because it's not something I'd done before. You know, you get you kind of get used to, for me, I've been playing in bands for quite a few years and I'd written lyrics and stuff, but I'd never really written anything before. And so it was one day, there's one specific moment really, which was that kind of eureka moment, that kind of light bulb moment was when I was, I was working in a manager of a toy shop, which was a job I very, very fond of. It was very great. (laughs) Um, And uh, on my lunch break, I went up to, um, I was just looking around some charity shops, I think, just again, trying to find some inspiration to, to sort of start, to start writing something. And I came across a book by an author called Shel Silverstein, who's, um, Subsequently, I found out is huge in the states, but like hardly anyone had heard of him over here. Mm. Um, he's kind of like Roald Dahl in America. He's like every kid's got a, a Shel Silverstein book, wow. and he writes these kind of nonsense poems, like very. I guess sort of reminiscent of Spike Milligan's poems and stuff like that. Very sort of silly, but with with funny sketchy drawings and stuff as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I found this book called The Light in the Attic, and almost even like the the cover was quite um, prescient. It was you know this. Um, it's got. a guy on the front with a house in his sort of in his head it's quite abstract and weird but it's just the the idea this light in the attic but this light bulb moment came kind of seems um quite apt as well but i started reading flicking through it and it was just they were just hilarious these these poems i just thought this this is kind of this is the kind of stuff i want to write you know and so i remember running back to to work and it was in my lunch break and i and i started pulling out bits of till roll and post-it notes that we had on the side (laughs) and just writing writing ideas and and I kind of wrote my first story um that day and um, yeah my first publishing deal um came from one from one of the ideas that came out came wow. out with at that time we were talking to um Marianne O'Hotter the other day um mm. and and she was sort of talking about writing her first book and the process that goes into it and it's not what everyone thinks you know you don't get uh, that spark of inspiration and then sit there you have to put the hours in is there a process that you kind of follow yeah I mean it's it's a bit it's a funny one with ch- particularly with children's books I mean uh, firstly I will say that they're not easy to write by any means which is uh, some people particularly like picture books people think oh it's only 32 pages it must be really easy to do that it's not it's really hard um, and there is there is an element of that like crafting away at stuff but I for, for me I think I found like moving to doing a, no- a novel was a lot more difficult and a lot more had to go in it a lot more time and effort went to it I think I find I think when I've written sort of kids books um children's books they tend to be fairly spontaneous moments and I I, I kind of I mean I don't I'm not a prolific writer by any means but you know once I'm in like you know like an idea strikes I kind of really hammer at it for a day or two days and sometimes books have come out that quickly and then and then you can refine it afterwards there is a craft in it but yeah it tends to for me for particularly with the children's books it's been very like a very kind of rapid 
um, organic, the organic process is quite quick and, and rapid. And um, I sort of really lean into it very for a very long time. But the, 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 like I say, the novel was a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. How sort of important is it for you uh, writing children's books that you have balanced sort of entertainment with education in it? Well, I don't, I don't, it's not something I ever really think about too much, really. I just kind of write what comes naturally or what. Okay. So I was because I noticed like some of your titles are like things you never knew about Mm. different things. Yeah, well, the dinosaur world. I mean, it's just that's. I mean, it's it's uh, the things you never knew book. Uh, the dinosaurs one and 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 the and the Father Christmas one. I mean, they, they are uh, they're just silly kind of. Um, it's a. I mean, a, a best way to describe a picture book. I think Julia Donaldson once said this, and it's really true. Is like a picture book is often like a, it's a joke, and then like the last couple of pages is the punchline, and it is really <laughs> like that. It's that you, you're kind of telling a joke almost. Um, you know, it was particularly with 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 funny uh, and i tend to write kind of funny funny kids books but yeah it's it's that idea like yeah you're kind of building up um with you know and the, uh, publishers sort of say like hey you know it's really important to have good page turns um which obviously is important in um in, in novels and stuff as well but to have that very you know specific thing with to make the child turn over the page and that excitement of turning over the page is really important so yeah that it, that concept of it being a, like a joke with a punchline is kind of how I, I come at it a little bit. Okay. And you've obviously, uh, we spoke a little bit about um, the novel uh, you've written. Mm. Um, uh, you sort of build up, obviously you've said, you know, it, when you first started writing sort of your first children's book, did you think you could move on to writing bigger novels? No, I mean, it was never really, I mean, I, to be honest, when I first started writing, it was, it was, like I say, it was, it was something I was kind of doing for my child. And then I kind of got the the courage to send it out to a few places, kind of never thinking that, you know, I certainly didn't think I'd ever be like 10 books later, you know. Um, so, yes, it wasn't something that was particularly in my head, although, you know, I think we all, we've all, like, you know, that, that great saying, we've all got a, a book in us. I think, you know, I, I always kind of wanted to, once I got into doing writing, it was always something I wanted to do was to write a novel. Um, and, and, but write a novel on my own terms, you know, not write um, a, a straight kind of prose. None of my work's been particularly like straightforward. I always try and, um, I, I often make things difficult for myself because I try <laughs> and write in, in, you know, I've written a, you know, I wrote, I wrote a kid's book where the, where monster eats the kids Oh, <laughs> and um i've written a, a another book called little bear on the moon which is all about grief and loss um so i, I i'm always kind of coming at it from a from a try, trying to come out from a different angle and when i and when i did first start writing um 150 days which is my novel um it's written in verse so i really wanted to write something that was um a bit different a bit more niche not something that was mainstream necessarily and i've always kind of been into those kind of things creatively whether it be alternative rock music or um or or, or sort of indie films or, you know or foreign films or or even in sort of in in literature like i've always been uh, for me it's always been um, more interesting to see things that are a bit more left field and i was kind of trying to bring that into my own work mm. so when you when you sit down to write is there an average day that you sort of you have a plan you are going to stick to these tasks or it does it vary Oh, it totally varies. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it really does vary. It does. I, I don't dedicate a particular amount of time to it. I, and 
obviously when you're in a project you kind of you know you you kind of try and give yourself a few sort of like personal deadlines but I think um I've always tried to avoid those a little bit and uh and try and do it at my own pace I mean I'm not like I said I'm not prolific by any means and so it kind of comes and goes and I do sort of dig into to other projects to keep me you know to keep my, my creative sort of process going so I'm not always kind of writing it's you know I'm like podcasting or still playing a band so still doing music so you know I like to not necessarily just really hone on one I think that actually helps me as well with the writing so when I when I too can dig into it I can really give it a bit more dedication but I'm not doing it I know there's some authors like I think I read about Alexander McCall Smith who he writes a detective lady ladies detective agency he like he, he said i think that he has to write like ten thousand words a day or something you oh know my god so wow. that, you know that that is you know, and i've heard of other authors saying that they they like to write um you know at least two thousand you know whatever it might be they give themselves a, a, a thing and i just can't work like that it doesn't it's not in my um you know writing's really really hard it, uh, you know yeah my, my bones about it it's a really really hard occupation um in in so many ways the actual doing of it is hard and then you know everything the whole the whole process is difficult so i, I wouldn't want to sugarcoat it but i think it's all lovely and i just sit all day writing it's not <laughs> it's not like that at all so speaking of that what mm. kind of a, a job is it? i mean you have to sit down and write so there's some sort of office space or some sort of um, writing den that you're in but then i guess there's a lot of promotion that goes into it um book deals and whatnot so mm. do you have to be traveling around what what kind of job is it well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in normal times, I would be, yeah, <laughs> um, obviously, we're not in normal times at the moment. So things have changed in that respect. So I mean, yeah, I would, like, particularly with the children's books, you go and do school visits, libraries, that kind of stuff. So there is that kind of element to it, you know, and I think um, I did, I put a tweet out the other day, actually, and I said, it felt like I was, I was sort of talking to a few people. And it feels like sometimes with particularly with creative fields that it's kind of 10% the work, 90% hustling. And you're kind of just, it's kind of a constant sort of, you know, you're constantly promoting things. You're constantly hustling for stuff, for work or, or projects to get off the ground or whatever it might be. So the actual work side of stuff is is kind of quite minimal sometimes. But yeah, I, 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 I've often write, I've got a, just got a desk in the in our bedroom. It's kind of where I'm, I'm doing the podcast from tonight, actually. We've got all the mics <laughs> set up because I obviously I do podcasts myself. So kind of recording here as well it's a kind of um it's a multi-purpose room but yeah um uh but i I've, i'm in uh, jim and i jim who i do blank podcast with we, we've just written um a non-fiction book together and i kind of decided for that one that i really wanted to be out um out in the public so i mean i wrote it before we went into lockdown but that i went and sat in a, in a local cafe and like every morning oh, yeah. and just and, and just sat in there and, and sort of trying to soak in and like have have conversations with people about about things that were going on in the book things that we brought you know subjects we talked about the book trying to sort of gauge people's ideas about those and things and actually just soak in in, in a bit of sort of the public atmosphere and try and kind of gauge and have conversations with people I, I felt that really helped with that book in particular so that was quite interesting to do to work in that space Mm. speaking of of the blank pot um mm. how did that come about and you know where are you taking it well interestingly enough it, it kind of came out of from a period of time where where i wasn't able to 
get get into writing I was really struggling with it I was having you know I guess you could call it writer's block I know some people say there's no such thing but there definitely is that thing mm. isn't it? yeah and I know a lot of people that suffer from it so yeah I was having that and and Jim who I do it with he's a stand-up comedian and he kind of got fear of getting back out on stage and we thought it was really an interesting concept this kind of like the idea of blank you know blankness and and, and going through a blank moment in your life or difficult moment whether it be creatively. And I guess it started the kind of um, the genesis of it was that idea that we, you know, for creative people having difficult moments and how that, that impacts their lives. But as it's evolved, I mean, we've ended up talking to lots of different people, not just creative people, but sports people, politicians, broadcasters, um, writers, all sorts of things. It's not just been, um, you know, people in creative fields. Um, we found that actually that blank, can actually mean so many other things i mean it can mean imposter syndrome or public failure or social anxiety or grief um you know loss those things so it's not just um like kind of not you know not losing your way creatively it's also these other things real life things, yeah. the things that affect us you know and, and, and we're kind of sort of you know, investigating those things now a little bit with people who are incredibly successful at what they do. And that's the brilliant thing about it is we talk to these people who, you know, you, you think, well, they've got it sorted. They're really, you know, and, you know, like everybody else, they have the same neurosis about things, the same anxieties and the same, um, yeah, you know, like say imposter syndrome, all those kind of things come up on the pod all the time with people that, you know, and that's so refreshing to know that we are all so much the same in, in that way. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Jim and I call it our—it's our therapy session every week. So, it's—it's it's good to have that—that uh, that platform to show that everybody's a bit vulnerable, aren't they? Mm. You know, it doesn't matter how successful everyone is; everyone has these fears, and I think that's really a, a good way to for everyone to to know that. Because I think some people think, you know, oh, it's only me that's got these feelings. Mm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and that's what's been great about it. And and, and like I say, talking to people who you think. Are, are really sorted you know um and and hearing their stories and and how they and actually also garnishing kind of ideas about how to get through those things which is the, the yeah. thing we do at the end of every episode is we ask our guests to give advice and that's been massively helpful for me and and jim i mean i'm obviously still writing i'm getting back at you know I'm, we're writing a lot and i've written quite a few things recently and also jim's get back out well obviously not the moment but he has done done some live shows so, you know, it, it's really helped both of us and it's informed us and helped us get through our own kind of blank moments, if you like. Yeah, that's good. Um, what would be some of the personality traits uh, that you sort of see in yourself and maybe other authors around you um, that you think help, help you succeed? Um, I think the main thing, and it's the thing I said, when anyone ever asks me about how do I get into writing and what, well, or what do I do to take that step further is, is persistence. And I think all the authors that I know and, and, and work with, have worked with, or, or, you know, I know personally, um, that is the real key is the persistence thing. And I don't just mean like persistence as in like, keep emailing editors, like when you read <laughs> my stuff, I just meant like your persistence in like creating stuff as well keep creating all the time and getting better at what you do and craft your craft. We you know, we touched on that earlier, didn't we? the craft of it and stuff. I think, um, yeah, just being really persistent in every aspect of that thing. And actually really, yeah, if you love that, and, and I think falling in love with that particular art form and, and really 
doing it to the best of your abilities. And I think the, the, the most successful kind of artists of all time of things, will, that will be a big sort of part of it is that, you know, persistence of mind and persistence of, um, you know, just really, really um, going for it and, um, and, and, and pursuing that thing to the eighth degree, you know. And what are some of the biggest positives and opportunities you've had out of uh, your career as an author so far? Well, I mean, like I said, um, when, you know, normal times go and do like events and stuff, that's amazing going out and seeing, I mean, obviously as an author, you, you do spend quite a lot of time on your own, it's quite a lonely business. Yeah. Um, but so it's not that, that that's always really rewarding um, going out and, and talking to people about your work is, it's always nice to talk about your work. You know, I'm enjoying talking about my work tonight. It's really good. <laughs> um, you know, that's always, that's always a nice thing and gives you a nice feeling. You obviously um, said earlier about collabing with a, on the fantasy mm, book. There. How, how was that different to working by yourself? Um, oh, I love collaboration. I've always been into collaboration. I think it goes back from obviously being in bands and playing with other guys, and and I've always enjoyed collaboration. Um, obviously, I did the I do the podcast. Both podcasts I do are with other people. So that, again, that collaboration of work and actually writing um, is a collaborative art form although you get one person who's writing or coming up with a concept and an idea and writing that story once it gets to the publishing stage it's a hugely collaborative thing you're working with editors and designers and sales teams uh the whole you know the whole project is there's a little team around each book you know so you've although it looks like oh you write a book you send it off they 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 publish it it is actually a very collaborative thing particularly when you work with a an editor that it's a very um it's a very important relationship to have and you know because you're often kind of bouncing ideas off each other the editing process can be quite a long one sometimes particularly if you're working on on novels and things like that so yeah it's a very collaborative um field more collaborative than people yeah for i think um so yeah and i always like to put that point out because it's so many people go into making a book happen you know it's not just a writer and then the publisher just takes it away and they do you know they just to get out there it's it there's so much goes on and you know like even the sales teams you have to kind of you've got to sort of work with them and see how best to market your your um your product you know your um your art i mean your art you know so there's all those sort of things but yeah i'm going back to your point yeah i mean um hugely rewarding and i, I mean i i can't um say enough about all the different things that i've got out of being and also like as regards to being able to pursue other projects as well not just the joy of of having a book and seeing a book out there in the world there's actually lots of lots of other things that have come out of it as well which i'm very grateful for and what would be some of the uh the less favorable aspects of the uh the industry well, I mean, obviously writing, like I said to you earlier, writing is tough. I mean, it's a tough gig. You know, it takes an awful lot of, you know, lots of elements like discipline and persistence and um, like, you know, I mean, like we've had edit- edits this week and and it's like homework, you know, it's like doing homework again. Um, <laughs> Which you weren't a fan of, were you at school? <laughs> no, exactly. No, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. I hated homework. So, yeah, I didn't, yeah always doing it the night before it's supposed to be had it in um so yeah um and, and edits are hard and that so that aspect of it the creative aspect is difficult but i would say from an industry point of view you've it's really really hard to maintain a career because 
um, you know, you, like I got that first book deal. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm kind of in the circle of trust now. And that publisher didn't want to, didn't like any of my other work. So then you've got to think, okay, so what do I do now? Do I, you know, and then you sort of have to sort of figure out where you're going to go with your, you know, and find out that actually it's okay to work with other publishers and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you're trying to, so you're just kind of like getting stuff out there and hoping for the best. And even now, I mean, I, you know, 10 books later, I'm still, you know, it's never a guarantee that what you write is going to get published. So it's, it's really, really tricky in that respect. And I mean, even more so at the moment, it's, um, you know, the, the industry's going through a lot of a tough time. So yeah, as are, as are all creative industries. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's overall, it's a, it's a pretty tough gig, but I, I don't want to, I feel like I'm being a bit negative about it, but it's, it's incredibly brilliant as well. You know, it's incredibly amazing and rewarding and lovely, but the, there are, you know, there are downsides to it, definitely. So I think one of the biggest questions for me would be, how do you actually, once you've written the book, what is the process of actually then getting that published? You know, it sounds like a bit of a, not a dark art, but not many people know about that world. No, it's funny. I always, again, when I get loads of messages, particularly on Twitter, people message me saying, oh, I've written a book or I'm thinking of writing a book. <laughs> um, will you read it? No, no. Um, <laughs> no, sometimes they get me, they want me to be. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's an unknown entity a little bit. I think and I had to learn it and I've learned it the hard way over many, many years. Um, I think I always say to people, there's two things, particularly with children's books. I always say, get a copy of the writers and artists yearbook. It really is like the sort of Bible of publishing. It's got um, loads and loads of advice in it. It's got literally every contact detail for um for agents and publishers in like in the world not just the uk so that's a really useful thing to have if it's children's writing i always suggest you um people um join scooby which is the i always forget that it's scbwi which is a an organization for um uh children's writers and illustrators and they're really really supportive um and help you uh, hone your work and then they give you advice on on the legal stuff if you get any contract all that kind of stuff so they're really good and they have loads of uh they have loads of um groups all around the country and so you know so i think that and then also like joining a writers group is really important i think if you can um it's just to be able to share your work and stuff but then it's just a case of kind of really just sending your stuff out there and hoping that you get some feedback that's that's the re- I mean, it's a tricky thing to do um one because you're like kind of putting your own work out there so there's a sort of vulnerability involved in it because it's your it's your work um and then letting other people see it particularly when it's a professional person seeing it and worrying about and i guess there's you know the, you, you've got the figure that there's going to be some sort of rejection or something like that so you've got to sort of build yourself up to all those kind of things as well so yeah it's it's a it's a tricky kind of thing it's to not straightforward of, is it not at all no it's not and then and and no, and no creative arts are, arts are to be, honest, no, to be quite honest. They're all difficult. And if you're an actor, you've got to go and do castings and auditions, and you got this. You know, you get a similar kind of um, thing. And actually, the publishing industry, the, the thing that annoys me most about the publishing industry is it works so slowly. It's a very slow, um, yeah. And things are sort of sorted out very much in advance uh, as well. So you know, it might be years in advance sometimes. I remember when my first book got published. 
I thought I was going to, you know, it's going to be released within months. Um, <laughs> and it took four years for it to come out. Four wow. years? Four years, yeah. Oh because because um, like lists changed and like direction of the publisher changed. Like they never wanted to not release the book, but you know, just these things that you don't even think about. And then I mean, in the meantime, I, I managed to, you know, get another couple of books published. So that wasn't, yeah, the, the first book that I got the publishing deal for wasn't the first book that got released. But Really? Yes, yeah, so, so it's just, and I mean, I, I think I was probably unlucky in that respect, but that, those sort of things do sometimes happen. And I think you just have to be, I think I, for anyone that's going into it, I think I just, I just always try and be, um, just like let them be aware that it's not a straight, it's not a straightforward path, and, you know, and it's going to be, yeah, you're going to get frustrated and, and probably quite emotional and upset at points as well. So, I think you just just have to be yeah. Just I, I think just make sure that you sort of look after yourself and don't take things to heart too much. And and sometimes these things just you know they just take longer than expect. From the outside, it, it looks like it's still quite an antiquated industry. From the uh, you know technology hasn't really touched it or speed up speeded up any of its processes. No, and I think when Kindles came in and ebook readers and stuff, people were really worried. I think. Uh, as they were when, you know, MP3s came out and iPods and stuff. So I think uh, there was a definite thing, but I don't think, I think a lot of people have started to return to physical books. I, I love a book. I, I yeah, can't read on Kindles or iPads or anything. It's got to be a, a solid book. Did, did that actually affect the industry, having the Kindles come out and put on like book purchases? Well, I think it probably did. I think it did for a period, but I think like for like sales of, uh, of, have gone the other way now completely okay. so i think you know people are, and actually i would say to a certain extent that children's books in particular have really kind of maintained the status yeah. quo with regards because a you don't really want to be reading you know people don't want to read to their children on an ipad or whatever that's not that's not nice and and, yeah. and actually children's books obviously you know it's the reason why i wrote a book in the first place i wanted that shared experience with my child mm. at bedtime reading them a story and so that is that's very special for for, for, for parents. And I think actually you, you can't do that on a digital d- device. You have you have to have a physical book for it, really. I think. Um, so yeah, so that that would be I would say actually yeah to a certain extent, children's books never really veered away too much. I think certain platforms tried to you know, and I think you can, I mean obviously they, a lot of books are available on Kindle, and and and, and iPads and stuff, but it's just not the same. And I, I'm like you, I, I love physical books. I think, you know, there's something special about physical books. Something about the smell of a new book as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, something, you know, it's, it's just a very lovely tactile thing. I think we you don't, you know, technology is great and it's fantastic. But I think, you know, th- there's certain things that we need to try and can try and keep them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and It's such an ancient art form, isn't it? You know, writing and, and, and yeah. books. Um, it, I think it's nice that it's um, sort of, you know, sort of, um, as I've been able to survive actually whereas you know like I mean I know vinyl's coming back but music to a certain extent is still very much digital at the moment and and um, and, and I think that's a shame in some ways. Mm, certainly so we like to talk a little bit about um, salary expectations for anybody thinking of going into the industry mm. now we usually research figures and as you can imagine, it was quite difficult with authors because it mm. just varies so wildly. Mm. Um, and there was, there was some talk of um, at the average 
sort of uh, first book deal you get, you might get something like £10,000. Um, but hmm. I guess it's all down to personal experience and, and hmm. how you promote the book and, and whatnot. But how does that sort of fit with you? I wish we got that much money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Children's books are, particularly children's books, very, very expensive to produce. Um, You know, you're having to, particularly with a picture book, which is fully colour illustrated, um, they're very expensive books to produce. So, you know, you've got to pay an illustrator and an author. So the author, I guess an author, I think my first book deal, I got about £3,000. And... I would suggest that that fee hasn't gone up very much in the last 10 years. Wow. Um, so it's not, you know, don't give up the day job. <laughs> um, it's, it's very difficult unless you can produce multiple books a year, you know, and like I said, I'm not, prolific, I'm not prolific. So doesn't um, my adult book I did through unbound. So I don't know if you know about unbound, but they are a, um, it's like a crowdfund. It's not. It, they call, it's not crowdfunding, but it's that sort of thing. You basically um, people purchase a pre-order, and then once enough pre-orders have been made, then it goes into into production. So it's okay. almost like that. So it's a slightly different kind of business model. Um, lots of people are using it now because actually you can get your book straight to your audience, which is really nice. I think Rick Reeves has just recently done a book, and um, quite a lot. And Jackie Morris, who's a very big children's author, author's done one. I think Michael Rosen's just done one with them as well. But yeah, so that's a really interesting business model. It's a slightly different business model to, to, to the regular publishers. But like you say, I think it varies massively. I think there was a while back people would start putting, I think because of the diversity issue with a lot of um, black and ethnic minority authors not getting similar kind of deals to, to their white counterparts, I think they were, a lot of people were starting to release what they were making and what they were earning in, um, in advances. Um, and that was quite interesting. And there was obviously a very, you know, it was it was very um, interesting to see see how people were being paid. Um, and, you know, so, like you say, it's very wildly different from wherever they are. I think it depends on, you know, if you've had a hit book, then you can command quite a huge advance fee. But, you know, for um, for other people, it's, you know, you get, you can get very basic, you know, not even, sometimes not even enough to, you know, to, to earn a living from it. So, yeah. Um, and actually that's probably actually the majority of authors are doing other things. They're not just writing. Yeah. Um, I would say actually it's a very, it's a minority of authors that actually. And that's similar, like we've said to the other arts as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know lots of actor friends and comedians are having to do other things. You know, I, I do other, pro- you know, I do other lots of other things, podcasts and, um, and doing a bit of commercial kind of, um, writing and stuff as well so that because you just yeah it's very difficult to sustain yeah. a, a, um an income from it long term and let, like i say unless unless you're a very big celebrity or or you're a very well-established author who's got you know big sales you know like people i mean i'm sort of off the top of my head people like kind of matt haig or um um you know jk Rowling, those kind of people you know the huge kind of um authors that sell you know multi-million pound book deals that you know because they sell a lot of a lot of units do you think in this day and age with the sort of growth of personal branding and social media and things i think i'm thinking of basically uh, james haskell released a couple of books recently um and you know through his personal brand and and all of that his book sales have have sort of spiked 
does that help writers now? I guess it is a silly question. It does help them, but do you look to do that sort of work as well, building a, a personal brand? I suppose yeah, your I mean, audience probably isn't on Instagram though. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mate, my, my Twitter's my big biggest thing, I think. But um, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think it's important. I think I, we've had this. I've had this conversation with with actors actually on our podcast and some of them saying they sometimes don't get roles because they haven't got a good social media following. Wow. Um, so it's, it's a really tricky thing. I don't it is think it's playing it, a role now, isn't it? In, in it a is. lot of creative decisions. Yeah, it is. It's massive. And I think I, I would argue that I don't, I've got a big following on Twitter. I don't think it makes a hell of a lot of difference to me personally with regards to getting a book deal. Um, but I think it helps. It does certainly help to sell more yeah. books um, for sure. But yeah, I don't know if personally it helps me particularly, but I think um, it, it obviously helps some people. For sure. Okay. Um, sort of an odd question as you have never really had a job description. I can't imagine, but what if you did have one, what would be something that would <laughs> not be in there um, and that you have to deal with every now and then? Something that you probably didn't expect. Um, that you have to deal with oh that's tricky isn't it job description that i didn't expect um i guess i guess it's the, the i guess it's because it's such weird well it's like there aren't any hours <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's just when you can and when you when you're willing <laughs> it's kind of thing i suppose so sometimes i do wish sometimes there was a bit of a clock in clock out it'd be quite nice you know we obviously talked about that earlier about um, sitting down and just writing for the sake of it um, but I can't I, I'm not one of those people so I think but it would yeah I think sometimes actually yeah that having knowing that you know you had a specific amount of time I think it's good to give people deadlines um, mm. to work to definitely and actually like I say we've been doing this non-fiction book we had quite a tight deadline and that was good it really meant that um, I had to plow on with it and that that was really nice it was a good motivator basically um yeah, so I think maybe yeah the hours. I did well. I didn't agree these hours basically. <laughs> um, how would somebody uh, begin to progress in the industry? You know, from your first book to to now, have you done anything differently? Have you learned anything that that might help someone progress? Um, I think I think just I think I was saying earlier about sharing work. I think that's really important to share not share your ideas as such, but like to share with like-minded people and other people within, you know, your industry. I've got a couple of friends in, in Seaford where I live who are also authors published. And um, I meet up with them quite regularly just to kind of chat about stuff and, and, and talk to them about what they're doing and what I'm up to. And like maybe sometimes sharing our work um, with each other. I think that really, really helps. I think sort of getting tips from each other and just just being able to sort of console each other as well like when yeah. things aren't going that well i think that helps massively as well so i think yeah there's i think there's a lot to be said for just reaching out and talking to people that are in your industry i think that you know not not to sort of you know try and um, get a leg up but just to yeah just to get some advice and and hear what they how they're doing it and see if there's ways that you can be sort of improving the way you do stuff so yeah i think that's really important and uh would you still go into the industry knowing what you know now hmm that's a really good question 
Yeah, I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I've, I haven't. I, I can't complain. I really can't complain. You know, as as much as you know, is is it, But it, you know, all all jobs are, have their tr- tricky things, don't they? I mean, whatever yeah, you do in life is going to be, you know. So I, you know, I'm very very lucky. I'm very very lucky. I get to work from home. I I get to dictate my own hours to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very fortunate. So I, I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't change it for the world really. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Giles. It's been really interesting here about your career and and how you've sort of progressed. And and uh, wish you all the best of luck with Blank Pod and uh, and future books. Thank you very much. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for talking. Thank you again. Uh, where can people find you on uh, social media as well as your Instagram and your books? So yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, I'm at Eli is tender. So that's E L I S T E N D E R one zero. So Eli is tender ten. And um, yeah, I mean, you can get my my books from the the usual outlets. Um, you know, obviously, if you've got an independent bookshop near you, please do go to get your book from them. If not, there are um, Waterstones and Amazon and uh or actually you can use the hive hive.co.uk online i think that sources books from independent bookshops so that's really worth using yeah so you can find them on work there and podcast you can find on all the normal platforms it's blank podcast or also i do another podcast with julia bradbury called a little bit of positive so yeah please do subscribe there that's the end of my sale thank you brilliant <laughs> thank you very much thank you Giles. cheers no, cheers thank you bye-bye